The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk to the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that you are um, a good shepherd. We thank you that you will uh, walk with us in all the days of our lives. Um, we pray now as the scriptures uh, being taught that you would just anoint Pastor Scott, and uh, that we would learn, that our eyes would be open, our hearts would be open to you and what you have in store for us today, God. We thank you, Father. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you this morning. I hope that you and your family are doing well. We are in the book of Psalms in a series called Praying the Psalms. And my prayer during this time for all of us is that we can expand our understanding of who God is, the idea of the transcendence of God, the greatness of God. And we can learn that through the Psalms. Also that we would understand that we can know him more personally, that he is near to us. It's the imminence of God where he is always with us. And I hope that in doing this, we're able to grow in our faith and trust in God and deepen in our faith in every season, regardless of how this has been for you. This has been a strange time and continues to be, but God is still with us. Well, today, as we look through the, the book of Psalms, we've been studying this and we realize that God is worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our worship and our praise. He's worthy of our lament, our thanksgiving. He's worthy in the midst of our anger and our suffering. He's worthy of pursuing so we can do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with God which is how you walk with God, by the way. You can't walk arrogantly with God very, very long. You know, he just, he'll go his own way and you'll keep going thinking that he's still with you, but he's not. Psalms helps us stay on that path. And every season, God is worthy of all of these things in our life. You know, for many of us, we see the worthiness of God in our life during the good times when things go the way we think they should or when we get a particular answer to prayer or we, things are going what, according to how we want them to go. And even when we've come through a tough time and we look back and we go, God was really with us all along. We can think about that during those times. But you know what? When we face heartache, when we face disappointment and tragedy and stress and fear and disruption, these are times when sometimes it's easier to call out to God. And it's better when we're doing that, when we realize who he is and how close he is to us. And every season, the Lord is our shepherd. And I wanna talk about that today. We've walked through different seasons in the psalmist's life. Over and over again, we find a golden thread, a single thought that God is worthy of our worship and more than just a corporate worship where we get together and sing, but our worship with our life, with our actions, with everything that we do. He's worthy of our devotion and he's also worthy of the surrender of our life, giving our life to him actually. And perhaps there's no better psalm to see that in than one that you're probably very familiar with, Psalm 23. And we're gonna go through that today. This is the most famous, famous of all the Psalms. You've probably got it memorized or you know people who did. And if you saw it, you would know what Psalm number it is. And in it, we see good times and the bad. We see mountain peaks and valley lows. And we see that God is worthy of our worship during all of it. 
You know, much of the Bible was written to and for a rural culture, a different culture than most of us even understand. David, who wrote this, was a shepherd. Amos tended sycamore trees. Peter was a fisherman. These are things that we don't know as much in our culture, although I think the way the economy is going, we might all become farmers pretty soon. I'm trying to teach my kids a few things. I'm not very good at it. If I'm in charge of growing food, we're all gonna be very hungry. I'm just telling you, it's a sad thing. One time Christy left town and she went to go be with her mom for a couple of weeks and I was alone in the house. I had one job, water the plants. And I killed the, most of the plants. I'm not even sure how that happened. But the funniest thing is, is that I watered the fake plants and I destroyed those because it grew mold after some time. And Christy says, what's wrong with my plant? And I said, oh, I might've filled it with water while you were gone a while ago. So sometimes understanding the Psalms and the Bible in different places when you're a city person, when you haven't put your hand in dirt for a long time is hard to do. But it's very important to understand that if we really wanna understand what God is communicating to us through these Psalms. You know, and when we're talking about sheep and a shepherd, you know, for some of us, the closest we ever are to wool is our suit or our sweaters, and we've never seen a sheep. We hardly ever spend any time with a sheep, maybe at Costco when they used to give samples. About twice a year, you get lamb chops. Those are pretty good. And, uh, you know, McDonald's has, uh, they have a McRib, but they don't have a McMutton. I've written them and asked them for that, but they don't do it. Anyway, to understand a psalm, we need to understand sheep as much as we can, and we need to understand what a shepherd is and what a shepherd does. And you know what? The reason this is important is because a breakthrough moment you might have in your own faith, your walk with God, a breakthrough moment comes when you resonate with the first idea of this Psalm in 20, Psalm 23, when you actually understand what is being communicated here. See, and as long as you reject it, as long as you reject this first notion in the Psalm, as long as you push it away, you're gonna feel distant from God. But the moment you embrace it, your life with God will change. And the idea is this, that you are a sheep and you need a shepherd. I'm a sheep, I need a shepherd. This is the notion that is here. And we don't really like this very much on the surface. We say, wait, sheep are defenseless. They are vulnerable, they're not very smart. I'm a well-educated and smart individual and I'm not a sheep. Nobody wants to be a sheeple, right? I'm not a sheep, I've got the eye of the tiger. I'm a fighter dancing through the fire because I'm the champion and you're gonna hear me roar. That's what we wanna say as one pastor's kid said a while ago, you shouldn't be listening to that. I went from zero to my own hero. That's what we like to say. And that's popular. That's who we wanna be. But listen to the psalmist declare, I am a sheep in need of a shepherd. That's what Psalm 23 is gonna tell us in the beginning. And this is David saying this. This is King David saying this. The Lord is my shepherd, it begins. And the assumption here is that David sees himself as a sheep. That's a big deal coming from David. David was courageous. When everybody else was afraid of a giant named Goliath, he was a teenage kid who fearlessly stepped up to the plate. That's King David. He was a military hero. In 1 Samuel 18, it's seven, it says, as they danced and sang, they said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David was a leader. He was on the run at different times, but even then people flocked to him, they followed him and he was no weakling. And yet he humbly knew that he was just a sheep. And he knew something else, that God was his leader. There is a huge breakthrough in our spiritual lives when we recognize that I am a sheep and that I don't have what it takes to get there on my own. I need a shepherd and I need the Lord God to be my shepherd. 
And when we fully trust in him to be that shepherd, our life gets better and our spiritual walk begins to make sense every day. And when we talk about God being our shepherd, I mean a real shepherd, the God who's in the Bible, the true God, not some shepherd that we've created. You know, the kind of shepherd who always agrees with us, the kind of shepherd who always goes where we wanna go. It's amazing that the shepherd always agrees with me and I'm always right. You're not following the great shepherd, the good shepherd, if the shepherd is always going exactly where you wanna go. You've made yourself the shepherd. In fact, your shepherd is a mirror and you're gonna smack into that mirror eventually. You ever do that in a fun house? It hurts. We need to humble ourselves and realize that we're sheep. But the good news is, is that we have the good shepherd. Notice the kind of shepherd that David says we have in the Lord. The Lord is our provider, verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He provides. With God, I lack nothing. And David was not saying that there will never be a time when we lack material wealth. Paul, Jesus, Jonah, these are all examples of people in the Bible who lacked wealth and had to endure hardships. Verse two, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And the idea here is that the Lord takes care of me. He feeds me. You know, sheep, so I've read and understood, sheep do not lie down unless they are secure in their food. They don't lay down and just take a rest unless they've had enough to eat. They only lie down when there is an abundance of food, when they're not concerned about it. This is an incredible thing to say for somebody in Israel because Israel is dry and brown, kind of like our culture here, if you go out East County a little ways. It would be difficult to keep your feet fed enough so that they could actually rest, that they would lie down and be content. Verse three, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. This shepherd leads me, he guides me, David is saying. You know, it's important that we understand this too, that sheep are led, not driven as cattle are driven, but they are led. God says, follow me. And always everywhere, God goes first. There's a difference between religion and grace. Grace is an invitation to follow and be led. Religion is being bound and not free, not going anywhere. And Jesus is leading us to some place that's incredible, some great place to go. We wanna follow him. You know, in the Old Testament, God is ahead of us, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day for his people. In the New Testament, Jesus, when he calls the disciples, he says, follow me. Sheep are led. This is a struggle for a lot of us. We don't like to be led. We live in a culture where we don't wanna be led. We don't wanna to submit to authority. We don't wanna to submit to authority in our culture, our political authority, but even in the church, we don't like the idea of authority, even though God has clearly established it. Sheep don't like to be led or a sheep need to be led, but we don't like to be led. That's why we need to understand that we are sheep and we have a shepherd who we need to follow. There are numerous paths that you can choose in life and different choices that you can make, what job to take and who to marry, what school to put your kids into, all those kinds of things. And we're confronted with numerous decisions all the time, multiple paths that we can take every day, big decisions, small decisions. And the thing that we learn about this in life is even small deviations from the path of wisdom, from the path that God has put in front of us can have big consequences in our life. We need to allow God to lead us and guide us in the right paths. The life of sheep illustrates this very well. Sheep encounter many potential paths and some of them are good and some of them are bad, but sheep cannot trust themselves to make the wise choices on their own and left to themselves, they will be on the road of stupid, not wisdom, pretty quickly. 
They need someone who knows which paths to take and where to lead them and has a place to go, to places of provision. And unlike other animals, sheep lack a sense of direction and become easily lost, even in the most familiar environment. They easily go astray and the shepherd must guide them in the right paths. Do you trust God this way? This is why it's kind of hard to be a sheep, right? Because we have to humble ourselves. Well, imagine King David humbling himself in this way and saying, I am just a sheep and Lord, you are my shepherd. This is what we need to do. Do you trust God that he's gonna take care of you? How do I know this? How do I know he's gonna take care of you? Well, am I reading his word to know? Do I actually know who my shepherd is? Do I know how to follow him because I've heard his instruction, because I've read it, because I've meditated on it? And do you trust that God knows what you actually need, that he will lead you to places of provision? You and I need a shepherd. We need a shepherd for every season and we need a shepherd who will provide. This is our Lord. The Lord is also present. Verse four, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Dark valley, a lot of translations say the valley of the shadow of death. Sheep would often be taken through dark valleys sometimes. And the reason this would happen is because the shepherd knows that down in the midst of that valley is where the water is and it's where the food might be growing and it's where it's a better place to be. But there's great danger in that valley. There's great danger because in the shadows that those mountains make, that's where the creatures who wanna eat your sheep hunker down and attack you. It can be very dangerous in that place. Predators would attack from those shadows and such a shadow in the valley would become a place of death for wandering sheep, hence the shadow of death that this gets translated as so often. The symbolic nature here that's being said would not be lost on people though. David in writing this has been, and maybe at the time he was writing, was in a personal valley with enemies after him in the face of death, but still he doesn't fear evil because he knows who his shepherd is. I know that many of you are in a valley right now, and maybe it's related to the COVID-19 crisis, maybe it's related to other things that are going on, maybe you've lost your job or you're afraid of being sick, there are so many valleys that we're in. Well, I wanna encourage you, first of all, that you're not alone. Many, many people right here in our own church are suffering a lot, this is a difficult time, and there are people all over that you know, where this is a really tough time but you should be encouraged that you have a shepherd, a way out, one who is leading you to provision, even though you might be in the valley of the shadow of death. Are you following him? Do you realize that you can be led, that you need to be led, and that the good shepherd is leading you to the right place? It says, his, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Most people think that what this means is that a Shepherd would carry a staff. You've probably seen pictures of it. It's got a big hook on the end of it and it kind of, you know, you walk around with that. The rod is a little short stick, like a little club. And it can be done for a couple of things. That's how the shepherd, the rod would be held so the shepherd would count his sheep. One, two, three, four, and then he would fall asleep. No, I'm kidding. He'd just count all those sheep and then he would know. And it's kind of just an instrument to help you keep track. But also the rod could be used to fend off a wild animal that would be attacking you in that valley. Whack! Sometimes you need it the bigger staff with the hook on it. The staff could be turned around in one direction and be used to just sort of guide you back on the right path and just gently nudge you along. The staff could also be pulled, turned around to the other side where there's this big nub on it where it can whack you on the head if you just refuse to come along. The good shepherd does this to us. Sometimes he's just given us a little nudge to get back on the path of wisdom, the path that is right, 
And sometimes we need a really good whack on the head and it hurts, but we get back into the right place, into the safety of his provision and leadership. This is what a shepherd does. It's why we need a shepherd because we so easily get off the path. We fear no evil because the Lord is with us. There's something very interesting that happens here in verse four, if you read this carefully. In the first passages here, first verses, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down, he leads me, he refreshes, he guides. And then in verse four, all of a sudden, it becomes personal. Instead of describing who the shepherd is by saying he does these things, It says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It suddenly becomes personal. Why doesn't he just go on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Instead, he switches to the more intimate you. And he switches that way precisely when he goes into the valley of the shadow of death. It's a universal experience of God's people in one form or the other. Crisis of life draws us closer to God. It just does. We are more prone to talk about God when things are good. When we're on the pasture and we got enough to eat, we'll talk about God and we'll have our classes and we'll learn things about God and we just have a great time. I don't know if sheep have potlucks, but you know there's enough food there that's provided. And we have a great time, we talk about God. But in the dark times and the scary times when things aren't going well, We don't talk about God as much as we cry out to God. We cry out and we need him to be near us. We're not just describing who he is. We are saying, God, I need you and you do this for me. The crises of life draw us closer to God. The promise of God is not that we will avoid the valleys. You will go through valleys, but the promise of God is you won't go through them alone. In fact, sometimes Jesus will even lead you there because that's where you're going to grow in those valleys and learn to rely on him more and build that relationship. Or you're gonna go into some valley because you've wandered off and he's gonna come in there and get you and whack you on the head and pull you out. Either way, you're gonna grow and rely on him more. You know, during this time of COVID-19, a lot of things are changing. There's a lot of speculation about what this means long-term for church and how we do it and how uh, the country is gonna react to different things and our life is gonna change in one way or the other. Time will tell how disruptive this will actually be, but it's gonna be disruptive in a lot of ways. Let me ask you this right now during this time. Are you crying out to God? Are you trusting him more to lead you through this time of great uncertainty? There's a lot of confusion and a lot of frustration out there. We need to cry out to God, our good shepherd, and he is there. That is what we will find. You know, the key to worshiping the Lord in every season is trusting that he is present with you and also trusting that he wants to be with you. You realize that, that that's what the Bible teaches, that God wants to be with you. He loves you. That's a good word right there. Do you believe that? Don't be afraid of the valleys. The shepherd is leading you and the shepherd is gonna lead you out into a good place. Don't be afraid of those times. He's taking you somewhere better and he's present with you. In verse five, He says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. David breaks the routine here of talking about sheep to talking about God then as a host. And he says, today I live my life as though I'm sitting at the table of the Lord in fellowship with him as an honored guest. This is 
the relationship that happens when we really know that God is present, that he is our provider. It says, he anoints our, his head with oil, which is done for the honored guest. You pour my cup so it overflows as the choicest of wine. God is very generous at this time. And it's interesting here that my enemies are there, but they don't get the final word. They're not in the place of honor. I am before the Lord. And we're not really in a hurry to deal with them right now. There's great comfort in all of this. And sometimes when we walk through valleys, we find ourselves in the midst of our enemies. This happens, but in those seasons, David says, the Lord is present. Don't worry about it. Enjoy my presence right now. In verse six, we learn that the Lord is gracious. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and love will follow me. His goodness follows me. It means pursues me. His unfailing love follows me and pursues me. When we know we're being pursued, you know, it has our attention, doesn't it? You ever have somebody chase you? Has your attention. When you are following the good shepherd, his goodness is pursuing you. His unfailing love is pursuing you. And you know what? That gives you great confidence in him. The psalmist here is rejoicing, not only in the present moment of festivity and thanksgiving, but also anticipates future occasions where he would return and dwell again in the house of the Lord in order to once again give thanks, that there is always something to look forward to that when you, when you are following God as your shepherd, there is always something great that's going to happen, that the end result of everything is going to be that you get to be in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that great? Why do we make the Lord our shepherd? Because he's the one who pursues us with unfailing love. And when we fail him, when we run away, he runs after us in his love and he seeks to embrace us and fulfill us. This is our God. And he does this with his staff in hand. He does this with discipline when it's necessary. He does this with gentle prodding when that's what works. And he does this with great joy and presence and provision. This is our great shepherd. He pursues us with goodness in mind. In John 10, 10, Jesus says this of himself, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, having life to the full, we're never satisfied to the full with wealth, with possessions, with education, even with friends or relationships here on earth. We have it to the full when we're with Jesus. We have it to the full when our confidence is in the Lord. When whatever happens, whether we're at the peaks or the valleys in our life, we have confidence that we are pursued by his goodness, by his, his everlasting kindness and love. This is what it means when we follow Jesus. Let me give you some takeaways today. First, God is worthy of your surrender. He's worthy of your surrender in life. Is the Lord your shepherd? In John, Jesus continues in John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Is this the shepherd you're following? Is he the one leading you no matter what season you're in? Or are you resisting having a shepherd? Are you trying to do it your own way? Resisting listening, resisting change, resisting other things. What for? 
What are you resisting the Lord for? Why? You're only going to get smacked on the head. And maybe you need that, but you know, it's a really good thing to turn around and not get smacked in the head. That's what I've always found. Let Jesus be your shepherd. And not some phony Jesus, some Jesus that you're making up, but the biblical, historical Jesus Christ who is challenging to follow sometimes. But we must. He's challenging because he calls us to put others in front of ourselves. He calls us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute you. Is this what we do? This is what we do when we follow the good shepherd. He commands us to do this. And you know what? When we do that, when we follow his commands, we have life to the full. When we don't do that, we're going to get smacked in the head. Follow the Lord. Read his word and pray and worship him and lift up other people. You know, God is worthy of your surrender, but he's also worthy of your calling in life. What is it that you're living for? Do you have a job or do you want to have a job? Did you used to have a job or used to have a career until this crisis hit? I saw somebody wrote down on Twitter, they said, everybody who made a five-year plan in 2015 got it wrong, that everything has changed. And maybe it's not quite that drastic. But where are you at with that? Your calling and purpose in life, do you see it in light of following the good shepherd? or you just see it in light of whatever it is that you think you want that you want to pursue for yourself. Your calling, wherever it is that you are called, is to commit your life, to humbly submit yourself and be a sheep to the good shepherd and to serve others in his name, to follow his commands. This is your calling in life. Whatever your job might be, whatever career you might end up in, whatever education you get, however much money you have, wherever it is you find out that you are going to live wherever it is that you move, your calling in life is to follow the good shepherd, to do what he asks you to do, and to know that in doing that, you will live life to the full wherever God has called you to be. And lastly, God is worthy of your mission. What is the shepherd leading you to do? To make disciples, to build up other believers in the body of Christ, to pray, to worship him, to love God and to love people to minister to those who need ministering to, to care about widows and orphans and the oppressed. This is your mission that we submit to when we're following the good shepherd. I've talked to you before about your oikos. Your oikos, oikos is a Greek word. It means household. You find it all through the New Testament. And it can mean house, but it normally refers to your relational world, the people that you actually interact with on a regular basis. Not necessarily people that you choose. It's not your friends necessarily. It's some of them probably but it's your next door neighbors. It's the people that you work with, the people you go to class with. It might be a roommate. It might be a Starbucks barista in my case, people that you see on a regular basis. That's your oikos. You see this word all through the New Testament. These are the people though, who actually read your Facebook posts and care what you think. Most people just scroll on by, they don't care. Your oikos are the people who care about what you have to say. Are you representing Christ or not with those comments? Most people don't care, but the people closest to you care. Your oikos are the ones who know what you're like at work because they hear you interact with other employees. They hear what you do with customers, what you say about them when the customers are gone or what you say about the employees if you're the boss or what you say about the boss. The people who you have influence on, the people who know that you go to church somewhere or that you call yourself a Christian, who know you well enough to know if you really believe that, that's your oikos. 
And it can be your kids or your spouse, it can be others. It can be your neighbors who maybe you don't talk to next door, but who hear through your windows what kind of stuff's going on in your house or in your backyard. Your oikos are the ones asking you about the good shepherd and they want to know whether or not you actually follow him. You see, your mission is right in front of you wherever you are. It's with the people that you interact with on a regular basis. Your oikos might have changed during COVID-19. Might be smaller, might be different people, might be a whole different set of people. You know what, God has called you to love those people in the name of Christ and to point them to the great shepherd, the good shepherd, not just in what you say, but in what you do and how you live your life and your mission is to point them to Jesus. Your mission is to let those people know that there is a shepherd worth following, that all the politicians and all the different movements that you see, all of those things fall short, but there is a good shepherd who is going to take you to a place where he is present and where he provides and where there's great graciousness and love and forgiveness and mercy and everlasting life and life to the full. Your mission is to point these people to Jesus. This is what the shepherd is leading you to do. This is where the hope is during any circumstance. This is where the peace is in any circumstance. And this is where the banquet is during any time. And these things are eternal. These things are forever. Are you following the good shepherd? I wanna invite you to do that. If you're not sure how to follow the good shepherd, let me tell you something. Admit that you need a shepherd, that you're a sheep, that you don't have all the answers. Admit that you fall short, that you sin. Maybe it's a word we don't like, but sin. Let's get used to that word. It's why there's so much destruction and hate and terrible things. But the good shepherd is leading you away from that into everlasting life where there will be no sin. Where the book of Revelation says that there will be no death, no mourning, no sadness, no tears. That the shepherd himself is gonna wipe away your tears personally because he's that present with you. Isn't that great? Isn't that the direction you wanna go? Admit that you need someone to lead you there and then believe that there's only one person who can, his name is Jesus Christ, that he is the good shepherd, that he is the one who died for your sins, who paid the penalty that you sense that you owe, the spiritual angst that you carry around, the guilt that maybe you have. It was taken care of on the cross by Jesus. And the same Jesus rose from the grave. He came out of the tomb. People saw him, 500 people at one time saw him. It's not like Elvis who somebody saw at the gas station and nobody believes that. Hundreds of people saw Jesus at the same time and the greatest movement in the history of the world came from that, which it would if a guy actually came out of the tomb. You wanna follow somebody? Find somebody who rose from the dead, follow that guy. That's Jesus, do that. He's the leader. Follow him and submit to him and commit to doing that. Just commit to following Jesus in your life and trust him that his way is the path of wisdom, that he is the gate to everything that is good this Jesus Christ and study him and learn from him and live your life following him, reflect him, surrender your life to him. We'd love to help you do that. If you're thinking, gosh, how do I do that today? Would you contact us here? If you go to gracecitysd.com slash livestream, there's links where you can connect with us there. You can call the, the church, you can go to our websites, find out how we can help you. We'd love to do that for you. Would you communicate that with us? Tell somebody and we'd love to help you follow Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you are our leader, that you are the shepherd. I pray that you help every one of us keep in mind that we are sheep 
and that we would not be insulted by this, but we would glory in that because we are the sheep of the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the one who leads us to everlasting water, to everlasting satisfaction, to being full of life. Lord, help us to not get on that path. Steer us in the right way with your rod and your staff. Let us be comforted by you and let us rejoice in your presence. God, we thank you for that. We thank you that God is present with us. I pray that everybody watching today and listening, that every single one of us becomes aware of your presence right now and your love for us and the salvation that we have through grace, your grace for us. We are so grateful, Lord, for that. We thank you. Give us faith. Give us the humility to follow you and the wisdom that we get every single day when we stay on the path that you have provided for us. Thank you, God, for being our shepherd. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.